Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. So today I want to talk about all things in common. Today I want to deal with some things that we have happening right here in our community uh, and how us as believers, we get to be a difference in it. I want you to keep that picture in your mind of before they started that race. People with privilege, people with better opportunities, better people with better starting lines. Just go. But uh, I, I want us to see how when we're believers, we have a different opportunity. And I'm not talking about the privilege we get to enjoy for ourselves, but I'm talking about the authority we get to change other people's destiny. That we actually have been given authority to change other people's starting line. And that is true about life. Every one of us are on a different path and we have different opportunities and we have different starting lines. We have different, uh, just better outcomes than others. But in the kingdom, everything we've been given, we get to leverage for someone else. And I'm going to, to uh, I know that, I'm actually going to touch on some stuff that may be kind of uncomfortable about how we view because we're American dream. And I want you to know, uh, I have always lived where uh, me and my wife, taking care of my wife is, is n- number one. But did you know biblically that's not correct? I'm going to really touch on some stuff tonight. And if we want to see the kingdom and we're in a position where this is what we want, We have to begin to change the way we think, not by how we feel and how we emotionally approach things and what has been driven into us, but we have to approach the Word of God with honesty and say, Father, have I lived like this? Is this my mentality? And and we got to do it that way, okay? So I want to pray right quick. Father, I ask you, Holy Spirit, that we we just... expose in us what we may be missing to see the kingdom of God in the capacity we're hungry for. We are hungry for your kingdom, Lord, but let us get it right. Let us live it right. Let us shine right. And let us be bright. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. So uh, I want us to go first to Acts chapter 10. Right here, I'll give a brief just overview of what's happening in this situation. And what it is, is Peter's been given a vision. And Peter, up until this point, had never eaten any unclean animal. So he gets a vision from the Lord, and that's where we pick up from in verse 13, 10 and 13. And a voice came to him and says, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Uh, he had seen a vision of a, uh, of a four-cornered sheet with uh, four-footed animals on it. And it's, uh, this is what the Lord said to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. A lot of times we check this out and we automatically apply it to food. God was giving Peter a revelation through what he believed about what he eat. He goes on to show him that Peter believed the gospel was only for the Jews. 
And he, God begins to show Peter that, no, my gospel and what I pay for is for all. But you are calling unclean, you are calling common what I have cleansed. So tonight I want to talk about some very vulnerable stuff. I'm going to walk down here, okay? And I just really want to talk to us as a family in the culture we're building here and how it's going to be impactful for our community. Is that okay? We're going to be all right with that? Okay, so right now, we live in a culture in our community where that race is very evident here. And we have a lot of times that our blessings and prosperity that came, that we would step back and say, this is a God thing, that God has blessed my family with health, emotional stability, strength, encouragement, things that we actually believe come from the Father, and they are from the Father. Why my, fa my family is healthy and full of faith. Why we are strong and unified. There's a lot of things that we have inherited from our connection to the Father, and they come from only the Father. But I believe sometimes we get the mentality that, and we don't even realize we have it, and I, I'm, I'm guilty of this, I'm preaching to myself as well, that sometimes our blessings can become a distraction because it comforts us where we are. And not that we don't give, and not that we don't extend a hand, but there's fullness that God has called us into to give breakthrough to someone in particular, someone in our community, a family, a single mom, a, a young man that doesn't have opportunity, that our blessings can be leveraged for them to see the kingdom of God. But sometimes we use our blessings for our own household and we don't realize the impact God has called us to have and breakthrough in someone's destiny. Because a lot of times what we don't understand is what people in our community are having to process is years of sin and bad mistakes. But because we can live in our very own community and you can go in neighborhoods where people are totally neglected, they have no opportunity, they have no step forward. When uh, I'll tell you kind of where one of these statements come from. I, I said it's going to be different. I'm just going to talk to you guys tonight. Some of the stuff God's got me in right now. So we had a couple young men that were in our youth group that graduated. Some of the things they had planned didn't pan out, and they come to a dead end. Not that they lacked desire and the want to to make the best out of their life, but they had nowhere to go. And I was talking to someone very influential in our community, and I told him what we were praying about. I said, we want to see poverty broken in our community. We want to see people have jobs and flourish in our community. And not only that, but thrive in the relationship with God and the prosperity He has for their life. And I don't just mean prosperity in wealth, but prosperity in soul, in spirit, in mental capacity, in, in rest, in peace, and joy. So when I say that kind of stuff, I'm not referring to the dollar bill. But what we begin to notice was, and when I put this out to this man and we were just talking about it, he said, well, let me tell you something, Colby. He said, if you lost your job today, I bet you have five people in your phone right now you could call and get a job. I said, that, yeah, that's a pretty accurate statement. You know, I, I feel like I could have a job by the end of the week. He said, now I want you to take that young man you're talking about. And he said, he doesn't have any contacts. He has no one in his life that he can call and derive what success looks like from. 
He's been giving a starting line that is not fair in capacity to what we've been given as a starting line. Not by his own choice, not by his own decisions. And I know we're American dreamers and we believe bad decisions have been made. You're reaping what you sow. It's that, it's that terrible mentality that is not of the kingdom. But I'll tell you as someone that is very close into this community with young men that are starting at a starting line that they did not choose. And too often we sit in spiritual and physical prosperity and the, as, as far as it translates is how I can help you financially. I'll pay for your meal. I'll pay for your groceries. And I want us to understand tonight that breakthrough is always giving us authority to give it to someone else. Because there's young men and there's young ladies in our community right now that have nowhere to go that have no out, that have no one to call, that have no other means, and if we're not careful, we'll stand back and accuse them of the situation they're in. They don't have enough drive. They don't have enough passion. They don't have enough zeal. So I want us to look at the woman at the well. Jesus goes through Samaria, and he approaches the woman at the well. Let's look at John chapter 4. Everybody okay? I'm not born, you am I? Because I promise you, at the end of this night, we're going to pray for some stuff. And I'm praying tonight. I'm not saying everyone. But tonight, your eyes are going to be enlightened into some areas of influence that you, were, you have been given the privilege and honor to change someone's destiny. To enlighten them to what God has for them. John chapter 4. I'm just going to uh, just read a couple scriptures out of it. We know the story. Uh, Jesus is passing through. He goes through Samaria. And he approaches the woman at the well. The woman at the well is very reserved. Very walls built up. I don't want to receive you. I know who you are. You're not a Samaritan. I know who we are in your eyes. I'm common. I'm common. I'm unclean. I understand. In the view of a Jew's eyes, I, you know, I'm not worthy of this conversation. So they live with walls. We have people in our community that live with these walls. Because we've called them common you're common to your neighborhood. You're common to the situation you've been put in. It's common. We've called it common, and God calls it clean. What we call common, we therefore don't put a value on. And when I don't put enough high enough value on, I can't see it like Peter did when God said it's called clean. Because when I call something clean, I'm calling it worthy. And when I call it worthy, I count it valuable enough for me to invest myself in. But we're calling things common to who people are, how they're raised, the cultures they're in, what they have to deal with. And we've actually called it common. How often do we recognize those situations, a particular people group, whether that be white, black, Latino, green, blue, purple, it doesn't matter. But too often we call things common that God has called clean has labeled with a destiny and a, and, and, and a call, and they have a future, but because of what we've always recognized and always been around, we just call it common that there's dysfunction there. You don't have to respond to me. I know I'm telling the truth. I hear it every day. I hear it every day. Believers calling people that are caught up in dysfunction is common. It's what they're born into. They have to deal with it. It's bad decisions. They need more drive. They need more passion. And we're calling common 
what God is calling clean. And he's calling us to a higher level to recognize that our relationship with the Father and our proximity is to affect our neighborhoods, our community, the people we've been given an area of influence with. We're calling common what God has said I call clean. You're calling common what I've said is supernatural, is worth investing yourself into, is worth more than you buying a Subway sandwich for. It's worth you investing your family's prosperity and peace and joy and, and spiritual security in the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that sometimes there's things in the Spirit you're supposed to be giving away, not just your money? Me and my wife have peace in our home. We have moral standards. We have peace and security. I want to use more words, but I can't think of any more. But my home, we've had people come in our home and say, it's so peaceful here. Not because we've created a peaceful home, but because God is good and we've put him head over our household. But too often, we call things common because of their dysfunction, and therefore we don't give away what we have the privilege to have. So therefore, I'll result to a financial blessing instead of a spiritual blessing. I won't open my family up to you because I've considered you unclean. You're uncommon. So therefore, I don't consider you worthy enough to actually partake of what my family has. Because in Acts, it says they had all things in common. And I know that in the back of your mind, you're thinking, well, that's talking about believers. But we have believers in this community that are in poverty and dysfunction, and we're not giving away what we have been given because we have counted it common when God calls it clean. We haven't put a high enough value. We value our comfort levels greater than opening our doors to see poverty broken in a generation. See, poverty isn't broken when you give money. Poverty is broken when you understand and invite someone in to partake of a functional family. A functional family can never be taught. A functional family can only be exemplified. Functional family can't be taught. Poverty mindset cannot be taught. I mean, the opposite, broken, out of teaching. It has to be an example that you allow part, people to be a part of. But we only allow people to be a part of to an extent in this house. You can be a part of the family as a corporate, but for me to open up my home and give away what I've been blessed by God to give, it's kind of... That's asking a lot. We want presence. We want to cry out. We want the worship. We want the outpouring of the Spirit. But in Acts, in Acts chapter 4, that, that Peter's shadow didn't heal someone. It actually says in the Passion Translation, there was a radiation of who he was. There was an aura of presence out of him that he walked by the sick. They would get him out in the road hoping his shadow would pass by and they'd be healed. But two chapters before, it says they had all things in common. And I'm not just talking about financially. We're going to read it. Because he's actually talking about blessings and spiritual things. He's talking about we had all things in common. If you have a breakthrough on the mountain that I haven't had, I'm connected to you. We're family. You've opened your doors to me, so therefore I'm giving access to your breakthrough. This is Bible. Because of my breakthrough and your connection to me, I've been given authority to release you into something. I'm not saying you don't have to go through process, but I want us to see in 2 Kings chapter 6, I'm not going to read it, but we actually see, yeah, I want to jump over there. Good idea, Colby. 2 Kings chapter 6. I literally wanted to jump over just so I got the right name. Elisha, there it is. Elisha has his servant. Okay, and I want you to see what's happening. 
So up to this point, they have a king attacking God's people, okay? And what he's doing is he's making war plans to destroy them. And the prophet, Elisha, hears what his intimate conversations are in his bedroom and actually tells the leader of God's armies, hey, don't do this because they're going to be waiting for you. We see some, one man's insight save a nation. But I want you to recognize the position he gets in because the leader of the, op the enemies of God understand what's happening because they can't get anything over on them. So the dude gets furious. He just gets absolutely angry. He's like, which one of you is a traitor? And he said, look, man, none of us. It's that prophet Elijah. He, he knows the intimate conversations you're having. He's ready for you, bro. So the enemy sends an army just for one man. And they come out of their tent, Elijah and his servant, and they are surrounded. It says by chariot and horsemen. I'm not talking about some little foot soldiers. I'm talking about they bring the big guns because they know if they can shut the mouth of the Lord that they can shut down the progression of the kingdom. That's in our community. I can't preach that right now. But in this moment, him and his servant walk out of the tent. Elijah's proximity to God enlightens him to the ones that are available to him. But his servant is not in the depth of relationship that Elisha's in, so he can't see. So he begins to panic. But Elisha says, hold up. Lord, what is he doing? Relationship. And he's about to leverage inside of heaven for a young man that can't see. Lord, open his eyes. Instantly his eyes are open and they begin to see chariots of fire. What about when one young man or one young woman, because of your connection to God, you were able to leverage their eyes, be opened, and they see that God is bigger than the culture they're growing up in? But if Elijah would have just said, calm down, Shh, I got this, that young man would have stayed in dysfunction. But because Elijah's proximity and relationship to God, he was able to give insight to a young man that could not see. And because of it, he went into peace. And because of it, they see them actually take captive the entire army and end up blessing them. That was amazing in itself. But too often, we actually have access and we have insight to things that we are actually meant to leverage for those that cannot see, that cannot hear, that cannot be connected to the Father. This all comes back to the ministry of reconciliation. What is reconciliation? It's bringing back into right standing with the Father. That it actually says that people of the world cannot decipher the things of the Spirit. But that it actually says that we are the ones that are supposed to defuse the fragrance of God. That when we begin to defuse, too often we walk around in a closed capsule because it takes too much effort to steward those areas of influence. So we're actually not diffusing anything. We're robbing people of ever catching a glimpse of the glory of God in their situation. When Elisha prayed that his eyes be opened, he didn't take the young servant boy out of the situation. He was enlightened to God's influence in the situation. See, we can't take an entire generation out of a certain project or a certain uh, neighborhood or a certain situation. We can't do it, come on. We can't pull them all out of it. But if we begin to leverage our intimacy with God, that their eyes may be enlightened, then they can see God's favor in the situation they're in. 
But we're so closed off to this because this takes full effort. This takes full open door policy. Full access to your family. Full access for kids that are living in dysfunction to see your functional family. To see your kids sit down at a dinner table and feel promoted by a father that's available. By a mother that is nurturing. By another that is just there. But do you understand, this takes your full involvement. Because you can be pro-life and never support life. That word was good. I can, I, I'm, a, I'm a Republican conservative and I support life, but never open up your door to adoption when babies are being put up. Because it's uncomfortable. Can I tell you, it's almost kind of crazy to be in a position where you could adopt and pray that abortion be stopped but never open your door? See, we don't think this way because our comfort is actually at a very high level in our lives. I'll be honest with you, a situation come up here in our community. And me and my wife had a, had a very come-to-Jesus moment in the kitchen of our house. And we realized that our comfort had taken a very high level to what we believed the kingdom was here for us. What we were supposed to be doing for the kingdom. Amen. That in a moment, I believe in pro-life. But have the opportunity to adopt, and it changed my entire life. I thought twice about it. Well, what do you really believe? Are you pro-life and believe life is ordained by God and that that child has a destiny? Or are you so consumed with your comfort that you would never open your doors? Because it may influence your kids. Well, is it because that we're living at such a low level of presence, we're that scared for our kids that they can be shaken that easily? Or are our kids carrying the same presence that we do and therefore we can bring a child that may be dysfunctional but we can plug them into functional and therefore their destiny can be changed in their linear lines to the kingdom of God. I, have to, I had to ask myself these questions. And I know this is not popular. Because whether we believe it or not, we're for our community. But when it gets down to the nitty gritty of what decisions you'll make to supply for those that are in need, we begin to question some stuff. Myself included. Is your favor just for the blessings of your kids and grandchildren? Your aunts, your uncles, your nephews? Is your blessing just so you can have a better Christmas, better Thanksgiving, better Christmas? I said that twice. I really love Christmas. Is your blessing so that you can eat out anytime you want to? You never have to think twice about a purchase. But then there's also kids sitting in a community more than not even three minutes from here that may not get a meal tonight and don't know where the next one's coming from. When they were in the summertime, they didn't have a lunchroom to go to. May not get a meal. I had a little boy one time in this classroom right back here, kept getting in trouble because he was falling asleep. Pulled him out of class, got on to him twice, third time. I said, we got to figure out what's up. So I asked him. Holy Spirit told me he's hungry. I asked him. He said it had been four days. That little kid ain't lying to me. He ain't old enough to even know, figure it out. He ain't eaten four days. So I took him. We ordered six things of everything off the menu at Sonic. And he pigged out for an hour and a half, and he wasn't tired anymore. His body was literally shutting down on him because he was hungry. But how many people do we pass by never being in sight inside, in tune with the Holy Spirit to recognize that there are children that are starving and in poverty, but not only that, they are in broken situations where they are literally being soul and spirit oppressed, and we've been given a connection to the Father to leverage their destiny out of darkness. 
But I'm telling you, what we're praying for, this mountain we're climbing, is so good, and we're climbing it. But I'll go to tell you, if you climb from glory to glory, and your glory, level of glory you're traveling into, never influences the people around you, you miss what the entire kingdom's about. You climb a mountain, and you increase in favor, and never impact a community, you missed it. And you will be rightfully judged for what you leveraged and held captive. It's called a light under a bushel. But we've considered light my personality. How lively I can be when I go places. Because, I, I, you know, I want to represent Christ well, you know. We'll be happy. Spit some scriptures at you. It's all good. But I'm going to leave here. Me and my family's going to sit at the Mexican restaurant. You can, you know, it's whatever. What about when a, a, a young lady gets pregnant in high school and we got so connected with her that we were able to show her what a functional family is, not judge her for her mistake, but be so loving with the love of God that we are able to embrace her into a functional family. And one girl catches what true family is, and then that baby's born into true family. And do you realize, and in one giving of yourself, that two generations would be changed? And then countless after that. Because one daughter got in one functional family because you were willing to give up the comfort of how it may affect you right now. And that one daughter would get to step into true functional family where there's joy, peace, in the presence of God. And then that baby's born into it, feeling valuable and wanted. And then that baby has a baby, and that baby is raised in value. Do you understand that this is how poverty is broken? Poverty is not broken that we make more money and give away more money. Poverty is broken when we put them in a household that is invested into the kingdom of God. Poverty in the mindset of poverty is broken when we're willing to make a connection with people that have a poverty mindset. Everybody okay? In John chapter 4, when he runs into the woman at the well, she had put her wall up. She didn't want him. She knew how he seen her. But in a moment with God's, Christ's divine love, he tears that wall down. Because he wasn't going to call her common what God had called clean. Jesus said to her, verse 7, chapter 4, verse 7, A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink for me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Jesus goes on to say, whoever takes of this water that I have will never thirst again. Can I tell you, it, when uh, our blessing has resorted to money we can give, they will eventually thirst again. But we have things in our spirits that are from God, that are kingdom things, that we can actually give away that they wouldn't thirst anymore. If we believe that we are carriers of the presence of God, then I am a carrier of the living water of God. But can I tell you, 
He engaged with that woman. He fully engaged her in her dysfunction. In the fact that she had so many husbands and was sleeping with a guy that wasn't even her husband. He fully engaged her in her dysfunction in the process of life that she was in right there. And gave her a drink of water that she never thirsted again. Did you know that scholars go on to say, I wrote her name down in here. Fotina? Huh? Fotini. That they actually wrote about her. And that in the Bible times, they actually put her at the same level as the disciples. That there was a bunch of stuff written about her. And I read about what the scholars had wrote about her. And it says that she actually began to turn the region upside down by her encounter with a man that showed her the living water. She began to turn a culture upside down. So much so, the government turned to her and said, we're going to kill you. And they martyred her. She wouldn't give up her faith. We have people that come in here, and I understand the family of this house, but a lot of times our family theology ends at that front door. We're family here, but how far does it translate out there? And because he was willing to fully engage her in her dysfunction and give her what he did have, which was the kingdom of God, she never wavered in her faith again. And so much so, she was killed for it. How often do we have students and young adults come into this place only for a year or two from now, we don't know where they're at. We don't know what they're in. We don't know what's happening. Can I ask the question, have we fully given ourselves to those that are in need? Or have we resorted to physical Touchings of the outside, good attitudes, a hug, I love you. I understand all that, and it's so necessary. But can I tell you that we have something way greater that we've been called to give away? And I want us to be enlightened to this because we keep having situations come up, and we've been asking ourselves this question. Don't pray about something that God has given you the answer for, but you're not willing to give the answer away. Because I'm starting to learn that God has some, deposited some things in this body and the people of this body. When I say the body, use as individuals, me as an individual. And I can guarantee you there are people in your life right now that need the things of the kingdom that are inside of you. And if we understand favor and blessing was not just given to us to enjoy, it was given to us to be a blessing, to pour favor out on another life. That's my favorite scripture. Freely you have been given, so freely give. It's everything that Jesus was. Everything he was was give. I know that this is tough. I know. I know that the way we were raised and the way we've been cultured and the way we think sometimes is mine and my own. I know that's tough. 
I think about my mom. My mom is like, I didn't know it, but she's been teaching me this my whole life. But I remember we had a kid growing up, that his, his name was David Barrett, and he grew up in, in a rough situation, and my mom took him in. And uh, my dad gave him a truck and some different stuff, but it was so it was so amazing to me to see that I remember the day David moved in with us, it was total chaos. Good God. <laughs> we had been raised a certain way, and David didn't believe that way. <laughs> oh, I got some stories. We won't go into that, though. But David's life was forever changed because he got plugged into a kingdom family. Still to that day, He's as weird as ever, but he loves God, and he has an awesome family. And for a boy that grew up in random homes and didn't even have parents around, now he's an incredible father. It's amazing. I love to see on Facebook him posting pictures of his kids at the park. But I'll tell you, it was because I had parents that fully gave themselves away to a young man, not financially, but fully gave, let him into the kingdom things we got to enjoy. Going to bed in peace. Having joy in oppressing situations. But not crumbling when life comes at you. Binding together when times got hard as a family. Praying together. Sitting down to a meal and loving on each other. Because we had a high value of each other. Because of it, one young man's generational dysfunction had been broken. Now he's going to raise kids in a great home. Y'all okay? I know this isn't my normal preaching, but I want us to be enlightened because I believe we're at a breaking point. Because if we don't change the way we view our favor, we're going to have some really good services in here. And outside of that, I don't know what else will happen. I believe we'll draw some people in here, but I believe we'll never see a generational thing broken over poverty in our community. I just don't. Because, and there's something else I want to tell you about right quick before I wrap up and pray over. Stop drawing from the well of your experience. So every time you have breakthrough in your life with God, there's a tree planted in your garden. And the next time you encounter something, you get the option to either draw from the breakthrough you've had with God or you can draw with past failure and experience. But that there's sometimes we approach situations and we draw from our experience thus far and not what the actual Word of God says. As you begin to engage people that are in darkness, you drawing from your own opinion of failure in your past does nothing for them. You can be sound in Scripture and have a good prayer life, but if you're drawing from a well that is not God's, it, it's doing nothing. And I, I, this is a hard part of Christianity because sometimes you have to reach beyond what you thus far have had the capacity for. And we do that by this. 
I have to have a stronger knowledge of this than my past failures. I have to have a stronger knowledge of this than the past six times I prayed and nobody got healed. Because the world out there needs us to fully believe this beyond my experience. If you get in a conversation with somebody that is still drawing from the dysfunctional well of this community, shut it off. Shut the conversation off. I don't need you to tell me the obvious. I'm looking for God's truth. As a believer, we should be so convicted about living in the reality of darkness. Let me make more sense of that. We buy into the dysfunction of our community more than God's word. Because that's what we've experienced thus far. It's really tough when you say you believe in healing and pray for someone that doesn't get healed. How are you going to respond the next time? It will prove to you what you truly believe. When you're investing into students the kingdom of God and seeing kids get touched and blessed and loved on by God and then one of them comes up pre-teenage pregnancy. What do you believe? Do you believe there's no hope? That they don't hear you? That they're not listening? Or do you believe there's always hope in Jesus Christ and you will continue to plow and sow into this field? I'm telling you, this is the only place you see breakthrough. When you are willing to invest yourself into the truth of God beyond your personal experience thus far. The disciples, when they prayed for the guy who was demonically oppressed and nothing happened, dude just jumped out, made him leave. They didn't come back and think, well, he's a Messiah. I mean, that's for him. And we're going to be a part of this. We're going to, you champion that. You're doing awesome. Well, watch Bethel. You champion that. You champion that in them bigger churches that are being successful. You champion that. But it's not for us. Let your failure press you into the presence. Because I can tell you, I believe that Jesus gave them some incredible insight. He said, this only comes by prayer and fasting. But I want you to really focus on the fact that the disciples were willing to press in. You think, I think the most successful thing about that story was that they went back to Jesus. They went back to the source of absolute truth beyond their experience of failure. This is where we are. Can I, I'm going to submit something to you right now. That I believe if you're a believer and you're praying, praying for the kingdom of heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Healing, signs, wonders, and miracles. Freedom, oppressed, broken. Freedom for people mentally, spiritually. If you're praying for those things and you continue to engage in conversation that draws from your negative failure experience, you are going to lose the conviction of God for the passions you have. Right now, you have passions for the kingdom of God. But if you continue to entertain conversation that is thus far true of your experience, but not of the word of God, 
Holy Spirit is about to cut your conviction off. Because you can abuse it and you can abuse it and you can say because you're passing it and you pray that you're stewarding it well, but I'm not stewarding it well if I engage in conversation that is contrary to what I say I believe. We have a lot of people in this community under the context of believer that have the most sour and hopeless outlook on our community. And if we engage them in, in conversation, we thus say we believe what you believe. I've had to repent for this because I was more worried about the person's feelings than the Bible's truth. We cannot pray for the Bible's truth and engage in the darkness of hopelessness. It's not true love. I had a man the other day tell me that revival will never come to Caldwell Parish. There's too much darkness. And he's a deacon in our community. And I, I cried on the inside. And I should have immediately said, you are so wrong. I hate you see it that way, but it's not Bible. I can't be in this conversation. That may seem harsh, but that man is entrenched in darkness. Because hopelessness is contrary to who our God is. But I am here to tell you tonight, before I pray, I'm very serious about this. This is from the Holy Spirit. That if you can continue to entertain and draw from the well of your failure and past experiences, you will not get to see the kingdom of God. You will actually, your passions will turn into burdens around your neck that will actually be the things that drown you. Because when you start climbing this mountain, can I tell you, God is going to give you dreams and passions that you cannot fulfill on your own. And when you have God passions and God desires that are so far beyond your ability that all you can do is lean and fully rely on God, but in the same conversation you're fully leaning and relying on your past experiences, then you're actually going to die from the suffocation of a passionate heart. I'll tell you from experience. To want to see signs, wonders, and miracles in the supernatural so badly, but be drawing from the well of your past experiences and failures, and therefore the desire to see the sick healed actually becomes a burden that will drive you out of your mind. A little while back, me and my wife went on a date, and I was in this position. I prayed for a couple people that were very serious situations and seen no breakthrough, and they actually passed away. And I was still fully trying to pray for people, but the only influence I had in my life is, was the well of my past experiences. And in doing so, the voice of God began to become silent. God was not distancing himself. I was distancing myself with a false truth about who his nature was. The whole time taking, partaking of negativity. Partaking in my private time. Why did that happen? I thought they were supposed to be healed. Partaking. And me and my wife went out on a date and we really, we had been so busy and we just needed some time to connect together. And I was so frustrated that I wasn't hearing God for people 
that I could have got home at the end of the night and not told you one conversation I had with my wife. Because the whole night, almost in agony, wanting to pray for somebody. Because I have a God passion drawing from a dark well. And I was, I was in agony and anxiety trying to get a word of knowledge. Who can I pray for? Who can I pray for? Who can I pray for? And the whole time, my wife trying to connect to me in conversation and couldn't even hear. Who am I going to pray for? Who am I going to pray for? Who am I going to pray for? You can't pray for anybody when you're drawing from a well that is not the living water of God. Your passions will bury you. They'll be more than you can handle if you continue to draw from the well that is not God's. Can I tell you that that well of your past experiences will never go away? It's how we give honor to God. Because my failures exemplify honor to God when I can still see that well and I still choose to draw from His. That's honor. Why do you think there was a tree in the garden? True love is when you can hear the ripples of the water of your past experience and still say, this is the well that God has set for me. And on this journey, when you begin to draw from a well, you're going to run into women that are sitting on the banks of it but have no capacity to get down and get it. And you're going to encounter people that because you consistently drew from the well of God, their lives are going to be radically changed. So two things before I wrap up. Be praying that your eyes be enlightened to the situations that God gave you a greater authority to change someone's destiny and you bailed out. Don't go into condemnation. Take this as a time to reconnect with the Father's heart. The one thing in common that they had in Acts, they just, man, that's how they seamlessly flowed in the presence of God. No one was without need. No one went without. That's what God's calling us to. And two, if thus far your experiences have not aligned with this word of God, it's okay. But draw from this well. Because I'm telling you, that there's anointing in this house that you will sit on a pew and no one will be able to save you from the dysfunction you slip into because you're trying to carry God things with a source that cannot supply it. Oppression, anxiety, depression, these things set in when you pull from the well of hopelessness with God passions. And that's the season we're in. The breakthrough we're having right now is for a people that cannot see the Father. Yes, sir. Come on, Has to be. Yeah. Can you pray for your thing? I just want to pray over us as a corporate body. Are y'all okay with that? Yeah, are y'all okay in general? Is this okay? I know this is a lot different from me. I told Pastor the day, I said, I don't know how I get a message together when it ain't the only thing I'm in. Like, this is it. This is all I got for you. I don't have anything else. But I'm telling you, we will see poverty broken in our community. Come on. We're going to see it, man. I remember when I first moved up here, I was a racist white boy that believed more in my traditions than anything else. And now I have brothers that I'm connected with. And now we can have the same heart for a community that's hurting. White, black, 
green, blue, it don't matter. That this kingdom is for everyone. And I emphasize on those in poverty, but there's people sitting at some really rich tables in darkness that you can't imagine in this community. But what I mean by now, because I've been so close to those cult, that culture and some of the things those young men are going through, that's where my heart is right now. But I'm telling you, it goes so far beyond one neighborhood. It's a whole community from one side of the tracks to the nicest neighborhoods here. There's a level of darkness that people are slipping into, and they need to see functional families. They got to see them, Kamal. Because I've sat at some of the richest tables with hatred in the eyes of every member of a family. Never understanding that the love of God was there to bring them together with value for one another. This is the season we're in. This is our time. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we carry that kingdom. So would you stand and let me pray for you? All right, come on. I have such a heart for this community. It eats me alive, man. And I want to see this church connect with that community. So if you would, I'm just going to pray for you as our body. So just stick your hands out if you would. Just put your hands out in front of you. Father, I thank you so much, God, for the blessings of this house. Thank you so much for what you're doing through your word right now. I thank you for favor on the families in this house. Thank you for the blessings. God, we do not despise them. God, but don't let us take them for granted anymore. God, I pray, begin to show us where our comfort has taken such a high priority. God, and begin to reveal to us those areas that you want to see us impact and change people's lives and breathe life into their destinies. In Jesus' holy name we pray, Father. Let Life Church be a hub of life in this community, full of people that go out and bring the life of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love you guys so much. Y'all have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.